Hello there and welcome to the Outside Film Podcast. Oh, hello there and welcome to the Outside Film Podcast where we talk film, TV, games and all that jazz like there's no tomorrow. This week we're talking about Thor The Dark World. I fluffed that one up. My name is Tom and as always I'm joined by my co-host John. Hello there. Uh, you're right there, Tom. Honestly, I'm, 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 in, I'm in such a rush. There's literally a, a, a truck backing, getting ever closer yeah, to my I, house. Yeah, I'm having the same problem as well. I'm like, beep, beep, beep. I'm yeah. trying to... Get it's, everything set up. I'm like, oh no, is that going to be something really bad for the podcast? It's, it's, it's. Oh, I mean, I hope no one can hear it, but it's a, it's a truck full of fence panels. We're putting up new fences today, so ah. it's, it's, it's steadily getting closer, and I'm on a time limit. So <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk Thor: The Dark World. What is oh. widely considered the worst MCU movie? What do you think? I just yeah, more pain. <laughs> so the first time I saw it was back in 2013 oh my god 2013 wow, right, wow. a right old yonk ago wow and then the first time i was like oh that's that's a pretty cool film <laughs> but i saw it i was like really mesmerized by the cgi mm. and the cool stuff about thor well this is your first then, mcu movie that you saw at the cinema right yeah the cinema yeah wow so yeah <laughs> so look, looking back at the film just this week i was just like hey, it can't be that bad, can it? You know, just I haven't seen the film for a while. It's it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's... no, I was the same. I when I, I remember I used to love it and I turned it on and I was like, this film is probably better than people say. Let's be honest. I used to love it. Let, like it, it's probably not amazing, but no, it's pretty bad. It, it's not good, is it? No, it's not. Like, there's a lot of problems that we'll, we'll get into, like the villain. <laughs> oh, one of the all-time <laughs> worst. I mean, I think just everything about this film it's so pointless it's so forced it like everything about it is just like reaching it's a film where like they're like okay so spoilers but we're, we're gonna we've got to kill Frieger so we're gonna so we're gonna oh, no. force the relationship between Frieger and everyone else we, we have to force <laughs> the plot to bring back Loki you know we gotta kind of like forcibly like add the dark elves in there it feels like a film that could be really cool but is just really boring and, and, and it, it forces the human characters from the first film back into it and all of it feels so like this is the first mcu film that wasn't produced by paramount this is the first disney mcu film and it's a it's a terrible start i mean like granted they did then do guardians of the galaxy and winter soldier in 2014 but like this is this it's just not good no, it, it's not even good. Oh, no. Christopher Eccleston, no. He's such a great actor. Oh, and then man. he gets to play Malekith, who is just a really forced character in, into the film. Like, the elves, as you said, is a really cool concept. I mean, I've been reading it in the Mighty Thor comics, and they're yes. pretty... Yes. Exactly yes. like that. I thought, even no. Even visually... Like Malekith in those comics is so much cooler. He's wearing red. He's got blue on his face. Mm, he's got long hair. Yeah. He's slender and kind of like goblin-like. He, he looks really cool. In this, yeah. he's just like a literally, visually, a black and white villain who by the end becomes gray. Like when he absorbs the ether, he just becomes fully gray and it's so boring and his characterization, he doesn't even have any characterization. I couldn't even tell you what his motivation is. Is it revenge, I guess? I don't know. Is it getting these? Is it going to get that? I don't know. It, it's weird. Like, you're trying to guess all the way through the film. Like, but why is he doing this then? Yeah. I think, I just... think there's a line. I think there's a moment where he says something like, I will get 
get back at the Asgardians for what they did to me. Something generic like that. All of his dialogue oh, yeah, is know. so incredibly generic. He's just a, he's just, just a one-dimensional villain. I, I, yeah, you just absolutely. You just don't know what his goals are, like his backstory. Phase two of the MCU really does suffer from it does some, suffer, yeah. some pretty bad villains. And I feel like this is, <laughs> I mean, this is probably still the worst MCU villain. I can't think of anyone worse. Like this is, I mean, Captain, bottom of the barrel. Captain Marvel's kind of there. I mean, oh yeah, no, that's a good point. That is a very good point. I mean, I mean, okay, genuinely, right there. I agree. But genuinely, this out of the MCU films that I've rewatched recently, I wouldn't say this is my least favorite MCU film. And I will tell, and I will, I will, I will say why. I think oh. that this film is better than Far From Home. Just by a bit. Now, if you guys listen to the pod, you know, just John, you'll bit. know that I, I <laughs> just hate a I, just a just a just a little bit. But I, I hate Far From Home. I really, really of hate it. Of course you do. Of course uh, you do. You've been you've been it across episodes. <laughs> hey, yes, you know that they're you know that they're um re-releasing No Way Home at the cinema. But why? An extended cut, 15 minutes extra. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Could be cut. Could be interesting. Who knows? But anyway, I think one of the big reasons why I don't like Far From Home, and we did do an episode in the MCU Spider-Man movie, so you can you know go, go and watch that if you want in-depth thoughts, but I don't think that film understands Spider-Man. And for all of its faults, I genuinely think that Thor The Dark World understands Thor. Thor's characterization in this is genuinely, I think, really good. I think that the idea that, you know, he kind of starts the film struggling to kind of connect after everything that he lost in the first film, you know, he's still kind of like grieving and not being able to see Jane and stuff. The arc of of the first film was him becoming humble, him realizing that he's not ready for the throne. And in this one, he just does wave that entirely. And he says, actually, I don't want it. You know, like, it's not that he's not ready for it. It's that he just, he doesn't want the throne. And it comes back in the final scene of the film. And I think it's it's genuinely a really good arc for him. And the, and the film really understands Thor for all of its faults, for all of its terrible characterization and forced jokes and all this stuff that I didn't like. I think it gets Thor right. Yeah, I agree. There was some stuff that about the character arc. So that's one good thing that was happening in the film. <laughs> yeah, the, the Aether concept was weird. It just didn't explore as much, like, you know, what were the possibilities? But I mean, it, it kind of did at the beginning, you know, like with the with the flying trucks, I, I guess, with the flying trucks or something. And Of course, <laughs> the flying trucks. Ah, yeah, the flying uh, trucks. Ah, oh, yes. I, I completely forgot, sorry, to uh, go off track with, the actor from IT Crowd was that there? Chris, o, Chris the O'Dowd. Yeah, Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he he's there. he's there. There, there are some really weird, like <laughs> sure. Okay, so sure. the side characters weren't amazing in the first film, but they're not terrible. But in this film, oh my god. Okay, Darcy is even worse, and oh, she god, has her own intern called Ian, who is. Literally, I, I don't oh, even yeah. know why Ian is there. Uh, then Selvig is, Selvig's gone oh. crazy. Instead of exploring, you know, what happened with him in Avengers, like he has one line where he says, I've had a God in my brain. Like that's, that's interesting. Like, you know, how did it affect him? Does he feel any guilt over what happened? No, he's just running naked in Stonehenge. Sure. <laughs> the funny thing about that is that when I watched that in cinemas, I had no con- like context to like the Avengers. I mean, I kind of didn't know what was happening in the Avengers. And then I thought, oh, is this some mad scientist or something? You know, just does not know what happened. And it's just a lot, it's a lot sadder because, you know, that's that's a line that, you know, I have a God in the brain and it could be mm. a really cool concept to learn. But no, he just runs around Stonehenge. 
I, I don't know what they're doing with him. I think similar with Jane as well. Jane is so forced into the plot. They're like, oh, okay, how do we get Jane back in this? I guess she's the vessel of, like in the first film, she was like an active character. She was a scientist. She was investigating everything. In this film, basically as soon as she gets uh, exposed to the ether, she just kind of becomes boring. And obviously this is the last time that we've seen Jane until <laughs> Love and Thunder. I hope that they make her more interesting in, in Love and Thunder. I hope we, they give her something. I hope it's not going <laughs> to be forced. Give her cancer. Bro, that's out of context, oh, bro. That's... Out of context, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, give her cancer, everyone. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, seriously, do, do that, they got uh, to make that. her more interesting. Yeah, do the, do the cancer story because, you know, we need another strong female character. Like in the beginning of the Thor trilogy, I get no the controllers i don't I, ignore me like at the beginning we got jane foster who's this great character but then mm. in there she's just pulled in because of this acer thing yeah it's like, reality stone there aren't even that many scenes where thor and jane talk you know the chemistry they had in the first film isn't uh. there because instead of having those two interact they bring loki back into it and loki largely doesn't have a role in this film I guess the only reason yeah. he's there is because he was so popular in Avengers and so they can set up him being Odin. We'll get to that when we do Ragnarok, but they really don't do anything with him taking the Asgardian throne. Oh yeah, the funny thing is, is that when I, I didn't, I had this dream before seeing Thor the Dark World. I don't know, it was like, I was in Asgard looking through the security cameras or something and I see Loki just taking Odin or something like that. <laughs> oh. It's a deleted scene where he just kind of like throttles him. <laughs> He's just like, oh, okay, okay, father, time to go to your old people's home in New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, I-, I genuinely think that his death scene is actually quite good where he, well, where he, you know, quote unquote dies. He doesn't, obviously, he actually doesn't die. But what's interesting about that is that, like, they genuinely, like, they don't set that up at all. So it's even if it was real, it's not believable at all because he goes through no arc. He just kind of like is there and, you know, like he's upset because Frigga's dead, even though he has one scene with her. Like, I think the best scene in the film is Frigga's funeral. I think it's amazing when they're all standing there. I mean, they're mostly just standing against green screens, but like, you know, they're standing there and they watch the, all the boats go out and, you know, they set them on fire, you know, like taking them to Valhalla. And I think it's beautiful and really touching and you feel the emotions in that moment. But I'm sorry, but Frigga did nothing in the first film. And the only moments she has in this film are so forced. They're only there so she can die and it can be somewhat emotional. Like, Come on, it's it's really not good. Yeah. yeah, it's not looking really good. Like she just used for catalyst for Thor just to you know just just for revenge against Malekith. I mean the the funeral scene looked amazing because you know it's a really good reference to you know Norse mythology. You know like yeah. they they shoot the arrows, put it uh, just mm-hmm. to the boat, and then yeah, pretty pretty emotional that yeah. But yeah, no freaking character just did nothing <laughs> she honestly is the biggest because you think about that amazing scene in endgame where thor gets the chance to speak to his mom again i think it's a really really good scene i'm not a huge fan of thor in that film but i think that scene is amazing and yeah, then you think about how little frigga is in thor and in the dark world it's really it's not only a, a waste of renee russo but also like you know it doesn't sell this death it doesn't sell these moments you yeah. know like 
obviously, and even even Odin in this one, Odin has yeah, this moment Odin. after yeah after after Frigga dies, he has this moment where he yells and 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 is like, how many thoughts that how many people has to die, and he's like, as many as are needed, and he has like a but that never comes back again. We ne- we don't really see him after that. Like he he he's either angry in this film or just kind of yeah. like passive like he literally like in the what in the second scene where where loki's put into prison he's just like your birthright Uh-oh. was to die he's like he's just so over the top and i mean i guess anthony hopkins is having fun with it but still i, I feel like it's yeah, a I, I, it's yeah, different to what was in the fun. first film yeah he's having fun i guess like just not having a clue what's happening but yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh what else oh the score okay I mean, I think the score is amazing, but why didn't they? Why didn't they bring back Patrick Doyle? His score for the first film. We talked about it when we did the first film. It's, it, it's such a good score. I don't know why they didn't bring him back. Like it's such such a shame. I don't know why. It's just so annoying. Like if a composer knows exactly that character, bring him back. You know, you know, yeah. it's that emotion brings brings back, you know, everything, you know, that motif of the character and you know what we know. But no, it just got another composer like Sylvester. You know, he did scores for Avengers and they brought him back. But no, they just mm. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm just looking this up now, but I think the person who did this film is Brian Tyler. That's interesting. He also does the score for Guardians of the Galaxy. So, oh wait, no, he doesn't. He does. No, the, he does. He does the score I, I, I for Iron Man Tyler Three. Bates. Yeah, it is Tyler Bates. You know, Brian Tyler does the score for Iron Man Three. So, for some reason, Brian Tyler does the score for Thor and Iron Man Three back to back, and that's it. Like uh, the MCU has this really frustrating problem where they just don't keep the same composers for a character. Or, you know, like, it's getting better now. Like, you know, you think about the Homecoming trilogy. Michael Giacchino did the score for all of those. But then you think about Doctor Strange, you know, like, Danny Elfman doesn't really use any of the themes from the first film in Multiverse of Mad. Like, it's it's really just disappointing. And in, and in Thor, you know, you got Patrick Doyle doing the first one, Brian Tyler doing the second, and Mark Mothersbaugh doing the third and fourth. Like, it's disappointing. They're all good in their own ways. But where's the musical continuity? Like, I feel like there'd be so like the first the score from the first film slaps, and this score also slaps. But there is no continuity there, and you know, therefore, like the film feels in itself so much different from the first one. Yeah, and it just brings this very weird vibe. You know, like it's you know it's Thor, but it, it, you're not sure how to you know get along with it. You know, what I mean, just like yeah, some of that that I thought it was just a bit out of touch because you know with that amazing score from Thor. What else was bad in this film? Hmm. Most of it. I mean, the ex. I, I felt like so. The film opens up with a really, really bad exposition scene. Oh um, god, yeah. Which is just a load of actors on green screen and some really, really bad. Odin. CG. Uh, Odin. Uh, no, it's King yes. Boar. It, it has like that can- it looks like you know when a you know when a game is has its reveal trailer. And it of doesn't course, yeah. use it doesn't use gameplay. It instead has cinematics. Yeah, yeah. it looked like that. It looked like a video game. It looked like I don't know. It does. It, looked, it does. It looked, like yeah. a, it looked like a medieval Halo or something. And it was really, really jarring. And what I didn't like medieval so much about Halo. that scene is that That's they cool then re-explain it later on. And here's what I think happened: 
I think because they also showed the scene of they also showed the news report of Selvig running naked in uh, Stonehenge twice, and I reckon that they changed it. So they had the film originally opening up with Loki kind of being arrested. And then they added that opening scene with the exposition of the Dark Elves purely so they could like explain it more succinctly to the audience and more visually. But it just doesn't, I just don't know uh, why they do it twice. Like why explain it to us twice? It doesn't like, it's just wasting it, time and just, it feels extra clunky. Yeah. Yeah. The film's pointless. There you go. See, solved. We, we said, <laughs> we said the film. Um, it really is. You could yeah. like you could take this film out, and apart from Endgame, where they go back to it, it's so unnecessary. Yeah, everything in this film, like you don't have to do Frigga's death, you don't have to do like with stuff, some of Loki. Just do like a really interesting concept for Thor. You know, how does he go through his character journey? Like, oh my god, it's so jarring as well. If you watch this in a trilogy, and you go from a really good, fantastic film, Thor. And then you got Thor, the Dark World, and you got Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, they're they're all so different. But like this film opens with Thor. He's 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 fighting in in the Nine Realms, and he and it opens with a genuinely good scene where he kind of faces off against Korg. It is actually Korg, and then they retconned it later on. Oh, um, yeah. But that's a better premise. Thor going through all the Nine Realms, stopping chaos, like, and you could have the Dark Elves being at the head of that chaos, and Malekith, like, that could be yeah. such a better film. But no, John, we got to go to jolly old London. Oh, London. Ah, uh, yeah, not... we got to eat some shreddies. Why can't you do a British oh, accent, John? Oh, water. You are literally yeah, from I've Britain. My, I've got me bottle of water. We're going to London Eye, you know, so, the, the John, fish and chippies. I don't... I don't know why you can't do a British accent. You're literally from England. <laughs> Bottle of water. You sound like you're an American trying to do a British I, accent. I know. It's it's. I've been watching too many films when oh, I was young. It's okay. It's okay. So so have we all. Um, I want to genuinely say I think the practical effects in this are really good. All the costumes and all the sets are really mm. impressive. I love the, the the way the new Bifrost looks, and you know I think that there are some genuine like really good stuff in it. But some of the CGI, especially the, the green screen, is horrible. Oh my god! It is horrible. Like, it's man. so noticeable. It's oh, it's distracting. Yeah. One thing that what you said about that the practical costume. What was the tree character? I forgot his name. Tree character? No, 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 not the tree character. It's not Groot. <laughs> tree beard? But, not Queen Beard, man. This is not Lord of the Rings. Um, no, it wants to be Lord of the Rings though. This film is trying it, to do Lord of the Rings but Thor, and it yes. it doesn't work. It does not work, man. Right. I'm just looking at the cast and trying to find this character. Oh, Curse! That's his name, Curse. Oh, the, you know, the... <laughs> yeah, the guy who kills Frigga. Oh, wait, yeah. is it Malachi oh. who kills Frigga? Somebody does. I don't know. We we, we don't care about like this <laughs> film really. Yeah, Curse. Is that practical CGI? Because it looks very CGI. I think curse. it's I I don't I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix between the two. But yeah, the guy who looks played great. looks great. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who played Curse played Killer Croc in, in Suicide Squad. So Oh no way. But yeah, um I mean the Warriors three are back. Woohoo. Zachary Levi is playing Thandrel now. He's Shazam. That's funny. Did you notice that he'd been recast? No. Really? Yeah. It's Zachary Levi who plays Shazam. So the original actor in, from the first Thor isn't here anymore. I don't know why. 
Ah, no! Oh, the <laughs> my favourite uh, character. Ah, the, oh, the three. Let me tell you, the three... They're barely in it in this one, the Warriors <laughs> three. I don't even remember all their names, but there's one of them who literally stays Sif. on his planet the Sif? whole time. Well, 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 okay, well, Sif isn't technically part of the Warriors three. But oh, is she? Oh. No, she's separate. It's like the, it's like the Three Musketeers. She's the D'Artagnan. But, yeah, true, 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 true. But like they they also try to do this whole like love triangle with Sif, Jane, and Thor. Why? I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. That is the most forgettable thing about this film. Like I don't it's... think Thor had any relations with Sif. I guess. Well, I, mean, I don't yeah, know. They just kind of add it in there. No, I mean, Sif could be so cool. She could be so interesting. Like what we got, of, what we got of her in the first film is genuinely like a tease. But we didn't really get anything in this one. And she's not even in Ragnarok. I mean, like you know, she's in Loki and she was in Agents of Shield. But like, she doesn't really do much. And you know, obviously she's she's still alive. She's not dead or anything. She still exists in the universe. But yeah, they could do so much more with her. Yeah, and then the Warriors 3, it's just so sad. Like, in the first film, they promised to be, like, something really cool. Mm. And then in the second one, they're barely in it. And then <laughs> and then Ragnarok. Let's just say they got their screen time cut off. Yeah, they really did get many things cut off. I do have to say, though, post-credits, we see Sif and uh, one of the others. Um, they go to the Collector. And they give yeah. their aether to the collector. And what I think is interesting about this is that he gets the, the aether and he says, one down, five to go. And then we see him again in Guardians of the Galaxy and he's trying to get the power stone. So clearly the collector is trying to collect all the all the infinity stones. Why did we not explore that? That is so interesting. That is so cool. Why did we not explore that in, yeah. or in, in Ragnarok or in Guardians 2, or in Captain Marvel, we could have genuinely explored the collector as a character. Because in the comics, when Thanos gets all the stones or gems in the comics, you know, going through the collector is like a big part of that. And in the film, we he it happens off screen. Like we could genuinely explore the the creator, the collector's motivations. You know, we could have had Benito del Toro in quite a couple of MCU movies in the leading up to his eventual demise, but Oh, what a what a waste, man! What a waste of Benicio del Toro oh and the concept of the collector trying to collect all the Infinity Stones. That's really interesting. That would be so interesting. Like, why would he be collecting them? You know, as a collector, you know, does he? Ooh, that would be really interesting. Like, what if he, you know, wants to collect planets or universes? Ooh. What, like Brainiac? He just shrinks them. Yeah, oh my god, that like, is oh like my Brainiac. Jesus Christ, John, John. There's a big yeah. spider. Holy shit. It um, just came from behind my TV. Help. John, this is spider. Uh, okay. Uh, step one. Jesus. Um, step one, uh, drink the rest of my water so I can trap it in a glass. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, just get a glass. <laughs> oh, wait. It's gone. It's gone behind my... It's behind my shelves now. Oh, oh my God. God. That was terrifying. Uh, it came... It, it, it literally just... Oh, Okay. okay. <laughs> okay, I think some, uh, I think some spiders trying to invade our podcast. I think uh, I think I'm about to become a Spider-Man. Okay. Oh yeah, it's pizza <laughs> yeah. time. Anyway, Thor: The Dark Worlds. What well, you can give it out of ten? Okay, with some of the stuff like with good arcs for Thor, mm-hmm. but everything in this film was just so pointless. I'm going to give it a three out of ten. 
I agree. Three out of ten. It's about as bad as everyone says, but I would, I, but, but not necessarily the worst of the MCU for me. Well, we don't so... want to talk about the worst one. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I mean, boy. we are literally, I mean, it's either, the worst one is either Far From Home, Ant-Man and the Wasp, or Captain Marvel. And we're talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel sometime in the next year. So get excited. Mm. Um, oh, boy. But get, oh, boy. But get even, But get even more excited because next week, we're talking about Jurassic World Dominion, and I want to die. I, we've already seen it. <laughs> I always seen it's it. Bad. And, and next week, I got a really funny story oh, while good. watching the film. Oh, it's, good. It's something that's gonna light us up. And okay. Oh my god, I can't wait to tell it. So you set you set you set it up for an amazing punchline, an amazing conclusion. So it it better it better be good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. We enjoy talking about uh, sort the dark world yeah yeah just give it away tom just you know just do what you do <laughs> like if you enjoyed it and you can check out our <laughs> our podcast on thor and we'll be doing ragnarok and love and thunder in the next few weeks so stay tuned if you want to see more and subscribe because we've got a ton of mcu content you know we do we're doing new films so we did top gun last week obviously jurassic world the week after that and you can follow us on twitter or instagram at Alstein film pod you give us an email tell us what, what you think of thor the dark world do you think it's the worst of the mcu do you think it's worse than far from home or just ask us anything and we'll answer and reply to any of that stuff on the podcast itself if you email us alstonefilmpod at gmail.com and that's everything from me. Yeah, that's that's everything as well. Oh, and also, you know Morbius, of course, of course. <laughs> of course I know Morbius, John. Um, we didn't I'm, have I'm just, Morbius as well. No, 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 no. It's funny. It's funny because they tried to bring... Okay, in US, <laughs> they brought the, cin- the film back and yeah. it just completely flopped. Oh, made absolutely $83,000. Did you see that uh, Jared Leto did a video... <sighs> Where he had a yeah. script of Mor- Morbius Two, it's Morbin time. Oh no! This is what this is what memes. He just killed the meme. He just he killed, killed the meme, man. Yeah, if, uh, but we did do an episode on Morbius, so if you guys are interested in it, we uh, just talk about Morbius morbed. for an hour. No, no, no. If you want to <laughs> get more, yeah. guys, just get more. Oh, it's Morbin time. Just come Morbin time and Morbius. That that would be great. Just to you know, oh just my to... God. oh my god. I just, there was such a bad line in Jurassic World. We'll talk about it next week. Oh, if, God, if, yeah. If, if anything, if anything is going to make you want to listen to us talk shit about Jurassic World Dominion, there is a line where Ellie, Laura Dern's character, says about Ian, Jeff Goldblum's character, he slid into my DMs. I, I want to die. <laughs> I want to die. I have so many thoughts. I was so confused Genuinely. when watching that. I was just like. Oh my god! I could go on about this. That's not real. That's not real. (laughs) We we are at the end of this video, but but I could genuinely talk about this forever. Oh my god! I can't wait to talk about it. I hate it so much. Oh my god! The film's just so funny to me. I just don't know. It's hilarious. It's hilariously bad. I can't even say it. Hilariously funny bad. There you go. Funny. It's funny bad. You know. You know. Oh oh I I I I did not have fun. I'm sorry. Did oh, okay, you see it, with, okay. no, no, you no, see no. it with, with like a lot of people? It was with my family. Okay. 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 Thank you for listening. Take what you're given. Give nothing back. Goodbye. Goodbye.